Well, good morning. And uh, we want to normalize um, that, kind of, um, that kind of event as much as we possibly can um, so that we, you, you get to know who, uh, who is serving, uh, who is serving this, this congregation. As Katie mentioned, uh, we are uh, starting a, a new mini-series uh, through uh, what we call Bible engagement. Last month, we talked about identity and um, like who God says we are. Um, who we are determines what we do. Uh, this month is really all about Bible engagement, and we want to kind of look at the Bible in a different way uh, this month, and uh, hopefully it's a way that engages our hearts um, even, even more. But to kind of get us started uh, on this, uh, this journey this morning, um, I, wanna, I want you to see if, uh, I want to see if you know who some of these people are uh, that we'll put up on the screen. These are some famous chefs, and, um, um, and so um, let's start from left to right. Uh, who, who do you say that is? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. I think a lot of people you know, uh, I mean, we, we will not say the words that he says, um, but he is a famous chef. Does anyone know the one who is next to him? Well, I was like, you all know all the white people, but you don't know the ethnic people. <laughs> she is, her name is Christetta Comerford. Uh, she is a Filipino-American chef. She's been working at the White House since 2005 as an executive chef. Wow, see? See? You come to church, you learn something, all right? Who, uh, who's the one next to her? See, you all know, the, you know, her. what about the black man? Do you know the black man? Do you know the black man? Okay, no, I'm just, do you know him? No, you don't know him. <laughs> That's Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams is, um, he's an executive chef at Virtue Restaurant in Chicago. Famous, famous chef. Um, and again, obviously not famous for the people here, uh, apparently. Let's do the next group. Uh, do you know the woman to, to the left? Yes, oh, yes, that's Julia Childs. Okay, so we know her. Uh, what about the one the next, next to her? Bobby Flay, all right. Do you know this one? <laughs> His name is Marvin Woods, and uh, he is also uh, an Emmy Award-winning uh, author as well as chef. And then do you know the one to the the, my far right, Rachel Ray. All right, very good, very good. Um, these chefs are famous, uh, obviously because of the meals they cook and because of, of who they are and, and, and the people that they've, they've fed. We could, we could probably put a number of other people on this list. Uh, we could put uh, Tanya Williams on that list. So you can tell her I said that. So brownie points. And, or you could put um, Belinda Lundbjarki up there. And some of you have had her food. And I'm not doing that to get a meal from her this week. But you can please let her know that I mentioned I name dropped this week. Um, you, we could put a number of you up there because you all are amazing cooks. We could put your grandmothers, your grandfathers, your mothers, your fathers up there because um, they cook great meals. And many of you have tasted their food and you absolutely love it. Like a smell of bread that reminds you of certain people who uh, in your family. 
I mean, these are, these are individuals up there because um, they, um, they cook great, great meals. Now, I know this might sound cheesy, but there's one person that should be up there that's not up there, uh, and that's God. And again, I know that sounds so cheesy, and yet he has prepared a meal for us, a feast for us, literally, in the Bible. It is a, it is a, a feast that feeds us. And he is an amazing, he is an amazing cook. We can trust the food because we can trust the chef. And so today begins our mini-series on Bible engagement. And we believe this. We believe that the Bible is important for us to actually grow as followers of Jesus. It's an important, it's not just words on a page, But what I want us to think about this month, I want us to think about the Word of God as food, our daily bread. I want us to think about the Word of God in a different way. I want us to think about the Bible not just as a collection of words and a collection of stories, but I want us to think about it as the nutrients from heaven that fills our souls, that strengthens us as we live for Jesus. Everybody in this room, I I don't think I have anyone who would disagree that the Bible is very important in our spiritual maturity. It's very important in our spiritual growth. And um, so when we talk about Bible engagement, we're talking about, I want us to think about the Bible as food. Now, we wouldn't dare go a day, go a week, go a month without eating physical food. And yet, why do we dare go a day or two or three or a month without eating spiritual food. Now, that's not a judgment. That's not a condemnation. No shame here. I'm just saying around the world, around the, the, around the world, around our country, even around, maybe even in this room, we eat physical food to actually live and survive physically. And yet there are days where we go without, um, go days and weeks without opening our Bibles to eat spiritual food so that we might thrive as followers of Jesus. So, so, so I don't want us to run the risk of languishing and being weary and being weak in a dark and broken world um, without the word of God feeding our souls. So the question that I began asking myself, <coughs> excuse me, why don't we engage the Bible more? Why don't we engage the Bible, read the Bible more. And so I have a Mentimeter question for us. So I want you to take out your phones and I want you to take out your tablets if you have them. And I want you to go to menti.com, menti.com. The code, um, the address and the code will be on the screen. Why do you think we don't read and engage the Bible? So join, uh, join us at menti.com, put in that code, code is there, and, um, and you're gonna see um, about 10, nine or 10 reasons why. And I want you to be honest, honest with yourself, honest with God. Nobody knows your answer other than you. So I want you to be honest. If you are one of those individuals, and I know there are individuals in this room who consistently engage the Bible, and yet even those who consistently engage the Bible sometimes fall off. And so I want you to go and just pick three. You have an opportunity to pick three, and it's going to begin populating, and we're going to come back to that. So I want you to, I want you to be honest in which ones causes you not to engage the Bible, causes you not to feed on the Word of God. And there are a number of, um, 
of about nine of them there. And so be very honest as you do. And so let's take a look. Just um, this is pretty consistent with the last service. It's pretty consistent with the last one. And um, pretty consistent in the sense that I don't make time to read it was the top in the 915 service. Uh, screen time uh, distractions was the second like it is now. And I am not motivated. That was a big one in the last service as well. Um, and as you can see, um, we, it, that, that these are reasons, these are real-time reasons that you and I are putting up as reasons why we don't engage the Bible. Now, I want to take, I want to flip that a little bit, and I want to ask the question, um, so we talk about physical food, and we would not dare go days and days without physical food, eating physical food, because we know physical food is important to us. And I, wanna, I want us to actually flip that and say, use that for the same reasons for the, um, not eating physical food. Well, food is not really relevant to my life right now. See that? Um, like, you know, uh, I just don't have time to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner, okay? I really just don't understand food. I just don't understand food. I don't know how it's made. I don't know where it comes from. I just don't understand food. That's the reason I don't eat food. How about this? I'm just simply not motivated to eat food. Just not motivated. Now, there are some reasons, some people who may have some physical problems, they're not motivated to eat food, but just not motivated to eat food. Now, this one might be true, screen time distractions. There are some people who are on their screens all the time and they forget to eat. And so, uh, but, but yeah, I'm just, I'm distracted, so I don't eat. Food has way too many errors, just way too many errors. That's the reason I don't eat. How about this? I'm so familiar with food, I really don't have to eat food for the rest of my life. Okay? I'm substituting other things for food. I just really don't know where to begin with food. Just don't know where to begin to eat. So, so I, I know I'm being a little facetious, but I think the idea is, is the same. We would not dare say that about food, physical food. And yet sometimes we dare say it about spiritual food. So I want us to think differently about that today. So I... I I know that, again, I, please hear me when I say this is not about uh, condemnation or shame or judgment at all. It really is about empathizing. It's not guilt-tripping anybody. It really is about empathizing to say, if I'm, if I'm eating physical food for the, the betterment of my body, why do I not eat spiritual food for the betterment of my soul? So I want us to start looking differently. And I, the Bible, it really does have a theme of the word of God being food throughout the, the, the text. And I want to give you a sampling of some of those, uh, those passages where the Bible is food. Here's Job chapter 23, verse 12. And this is what Job says, I have not departed from the commandments, the commandments of his lips, talking about God. 
I have treasured the word, uh, the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. So there's this sense where he is comparing God's word to food and that food even is more important than, or, or the word of God is more important than food. Here is Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so this is the the, the psalmist is actually comparing the word of God to honey. I don't know, some of you might know this, that they found a 3,000-year-old batch of honey that was still edible. They found it in the pyramids in Egypt, and they could still eat the honey. And so there's this sense where the psalmist says the word of God is sweeter even than honey. Jeremiah 15 and 16 says, your words were found and I ate them and your words became um, to me a joy and delight and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And so Jeremiah is comparing God's word to uh, food and he says, I found your word and I began devouring your word. There's another translation that says, I found it and I devoured your word. And the result of your word metabolizing in my heart, I have joy and I have delight. So there's a direct, not only a dotted line, but a solid line from eating the word of God to joy in our lives. And then the psalmist, you won't see it uh, as clearly as some of the other passages, uh, but it's there. Psalm, uh, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates. That word meditate simply means he chews on it. Just like a cow chews the cud, the person, the man of God, the woman of God is chewing on the word of God, meditating on the word of God, like chewing food, masticating the word of God so that the word of God can go down into our very soul so that we might actually respond to all of life like God wants us to respond to all of life. So it's about, there's this sense, the word of God being food. Here's First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so the, uh, Peter actually compares the word of God to milk, to spiritual milk that a baby needs in order to grow. And so as the baby drinks milk, the baby grows, the muscles grow, the, the body grows. And so the same way it is when you and I eat the word of God, we grow spiritually. We know how to handle certain things. We know how to handle adversity like mature Christians. We know how to forgive. We know how to love. And yet there's this sense where the word of God feeds us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. And so Paul actually says, I am only, I'm feeding you milk because you're still babies. 
you're not mature. You're not growing up in your faith. You're not growing up in salvation. This is what Paul is saying. So I want to give you solid food. I want to give you roast beef. I want to give you potatoes. I want to give you rolls, but I can't because you're not ready for it. And so Paul says, man, I want you to grow up in your faith so I can begin to give you solid food. And so the word of God is compared to milk and meat and honey and chewing. And it, it is this sense where God says, my word is food for your soul. Like physical food is food nutrients for your body, then my word is food for your soul. There's one more passage, and this is where we'll drop anchor, and that is Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. If you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 with me, please. If you're looking on the Pew Bible, it is uh, Matthew, it, it is uh, page 809, 809, Matthew chapter 4, and I want us to uh, read verse 4 together, but I'm going to give you the, I'm going to read the first three verses, and then I want us to read the, the fourth verse together. Page 809, and this is what it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And let's read four together. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so let me set the context. So Jesus has, the father has announced um, his pleasure in Jesus. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus is about to start his ministry. And uh, he is the son of God. He is the son of God. And so the tempter comes to him after, well, after uh, the father announces over uh, Jesus he is led out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and there he's preparing, preparing for the beginning of his ministry. And while he's in the wilderness, uh, the tempter comes to him, the evil one, Satan comes to him and actually says, hey, listen, if you are the son of God. Now, he is not saying, he is not doubting that Jesus is the son of God. He is presupposing that Jesus is the son of God. He is now challenging Jesus's identity, just like the devil challenges our identity every single day. He is challenging Jesus's identity here. And he says, since you are the son of God, you should do something very spectacular. Turn these stones into bread. So Jesus knew the word of God. Jesus knew the word of God. He was able to draw on the word of God to fight against the temptations of the devil. So, so Jesus actually quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. This is, the context of this is the people of God, the Israelites, are in the wilderness, and they're being tested by God in the wilderness. And God is trying to see if they would be obedient to his commands, if they would be obedient to his word. But Israelites, they, they, the Israelites were not obedient. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He is experiencing a, a, experiencing a similar test in the wilderness. It was 40 years there, 40 days here. And so Jesus exper is experiencing this, this, um, this, this absolute hunger. 
And the enemy is saying, I bet you are going to be disobedient just like the people of God in the wilderness were disobedient. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I know the word of God. And so he draws on the context of the Old Testament passage and says, you are not going to tempt me and you're you're not going to cause me to fail like the children of Israel fail. And out of that, Jesus wins the battle. He, he passes the test. Why? Because he knew the word, he was eating the word, and he was obedient to the word of God. And so Jesus treated the word like food. It metabolized in his life, and as it metabolized in his life, he was able to fight against the temptations of the evil one. So then he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I want to highlight several things, or at least a couple of things that Jesus highlights in this passage for us. The first one is, Jesus acknowledges that we need physical food to live. Now, I know that's basic. That's basic. We need physical food food to live and to exist and to experience life. Though we can go several days, we can go several, even several weeks without food. We cannot go three to five days without water. And Jesus understands that we need physical sustenance, food and water to live. Now, unless we're fasting, we would not dare go many, many days without eating. Physical food provides nutrients and nourishment to our bodies. Protein, minerals, all of those things, carbohydrates, they are good for us to physically live. When we don't eat physically, our bodies go, they go, through, our bodies go through a series of physiological changes. Whether it's weariness or tiredness and whether it is this ability to to lose cognition. Have you ever noticed when you don't eat, you don't think like you you would normally think? Here's some of the things that our bodies go through. And I would imagine some of the things that Jesus probably went through when he was fasting in preparation for his ministry. Our blood sugar level drops. There's an increase in the hunger hormone in our bodies. There's a decrease in insulin in our bodies. Uh, that is the hormone that actually regulates our blood sugar. There's a carbo, the carbohydrate stores become uh, gradually depleted, and we begin to feel weak in the course of a day. I was with a friend the other day, and we were, we were in the, uh, we were in the uh, Detroit Institute of Art Museum, in, in, uh, the Detroit Institute of Art, um, uh, and, and he started feeling weak because he hadn't eaten in a certain, uh, uh, he has to eat during a certain period of time. And so he began to feel weak because there was a depletion of not only the insulin, but also the carbohydrates. There's a, there's a decrease in fats that are stored. Our body uses fat to, to actually, sometimes for energy. And so there's this sense, there's a decrease in that. And then our bodies began to eat muscle as a result of us not eating. Our metabolism slows down. Our possible organ damage, going many, many days without eating. A weakened immune system. 
We're not able to fight off diseases as readily because we're not eating. Cognition um, and psychological uh, kinds of diminishment happens when we don't eat. So Jesus acknowledges that we need food to eat. But he acknowledges something else that I think is important, which is the heart of this passage, is Jesus acknowledges that we need more than food to eat. We need food to eat, but he says we need way more than food to eat. I want you to go back to the passage that says, man shall not live by bread alone. So Jesus is acknowledging we need bread to live, but then he says there's more to life than bread. The word live here is not just physically survive. What Jesus is saying here is that you and I need more than food to actually thrive in life. For you and I to know our purpose in life. He says this word live here, we need more than food to actually know what it means to live abundantly. That you and I were not made to just exist. You and I were made to live. You and I were made to thrive. You and I were made to experience life the way God wanted us to experience life. And the only way we can do that is to receive the words of God from his mouth. The chef knows what he's doing. The chef, the chef is in the kitchen. I'm not talking about Chef Curry. I'm talking about God. God is the chef. And when he cooks up food, he is cooking up food for life. He is cooking up food for destiny and purpose. He is cooking up food for his people to enjoy life the way he meant to, for us to enjoy life. But if, we, if we're not receiving his word as food, We'll miss what he has for us. So Jesus says, Jesus says, if you really want to live, living actually happens when you receive words from God's mouth. So what are these words? These words are scriptures, what we have here, the teachings and commands of Jesus, what we have. The Ten Commandments is a part of the words that comes from his mouth, the promises of God and the prophecies of God. It helps us to know that God is trustworthy, that we can trust him when he says what he says. It says that, that he assures us of his presence with us. He assures us that his promises are true. He gives us spiritual wisdom for when we get ready to make a decision about life, when we get ready to make a decision about marriage, when we get ready to make a decision about college, and when we get ready to make a decision about our future. He says, I want to give you wisdom. When you get ready to make that next business deal, he says, I want to give you wisdom. So every word that comes from his mouth, it includes his profound found wisdom for us. Just like stuff, just like the body breaks down when we don't eat physical food, I wonder what happens when we don't eat spiritual food. John 10 and 10 says that the, that the, shep, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And so one of the things that I believe happens to us, we begin to lose voice recognition. We can't discern God's voice from Satan's voice. We can't discern God's voice from the world's voice. We can't discern God's voice from our own voice. So we began to lose voice recognition. And then we wander in life without God's direction when we don't take in God's word as food. 
I think another thing that happens, we lose our joy. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your word, I found your word and I began to eat and they became the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I believe there's a dotted line. I believe there's a solid line between us taking in the word of God and our joy. One of the things that when people come and they said, like, I'm just feeling weary and, and I don't have any joy. I feel down. First, one of the first questions I ask, when was the last time you read scripture? And sometimes it's like, man, I've not read, I've not opened my Bible in weeks. I think there's a real connection between joy and delight and the word of God. Here's another thing that I think begins to happen. We begin to feel spiritually hungry, which leads to weakness, spiritual weakness, spiritual dissatisfaction, and lacking spiritual direction. I just don't. The song that used to, the time of worship that used to give me joy, it doesn't anymore. And the time where I would read the scripture, I just, I'm not, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to connect anymore. I think there is a direct connection with not eating the word of God and this sense of dissatisfaction, quote-unquote, with God. I think our faith grows weak, leading to doubting God and doubting his love and doubting his promises. I've been there. Where I've not read the word in a couple of days, and it's like, like, God, you're not even real. How can I trust your promises? So there's this sense where we... Um, when the word of God is food, it reminds us that God is present. The worship team just led us, what Ben just said, he said, what I want you to do, I know this is true, but I, I want you to now, I want you to think about the experience of it being true. And that experience comes from the word of God reminding us that God will never fail his people, that God will always keep his promise. Maybe not in the way we think, but definitely in the way he thinks. We lose guidance and we lose uh, our purpose in life. We lose our ability to cope and live with hope in the midst of adversity. We, we actually begin to neglect loving other people. Have you noticed when you, are, when you don't eat, you become hangry and you become irritable? I think it's the same way when you and I fail to eat God's word, we become, we become less compassionate, less patient with people. We want people to be patient with us, but we won't be patient with them. I think that's a part of it. I'm not saying that's all of it, but I think it's part of it that the word of God helps to, uh, to dam up the hate and to actually let loose the love that God wants us to show to other people. I think Jesus tells us that we have the inability to resist temptation in our lives if we don't eat the word of God. So what are some ways we can, we can eat the word of God? I think here, here are a few ways we can hear it. Hear the word of God. You're hearing the word of God now. You're hearing the word of God now, but I would warn you, I would warn you, I would warn me that one meal a week is, is not good. And this is just a snack. This is, not, this is a snack. This is not even a seven-course meal. This is a snack. The, the real meal is when you go home and you are in, in your quiet time with God and you're reading the Scripture and you're meditating on the Scripture. You're taking it in on a daily basis. You and I should eat before we get here. 
We should eat before we ever walk through the door. If you're depending on me or Ben or Micah or, or Jack to feed you, that is, not, that is not good management of our souls. And again, this is no judgment, no shame, no condemnation. This is for all of us that, that, that we ought to hear it. This is one way to receive the word of God. We ought to read it. We, we have this book. We can read it on our phones. We can read it, have a physical copy, read it, study it is another way we can take the word of God and memorize the word of God. Jesus memorized the word of God. Even if it's just a verse, just to hold on to, to chew on it like a, like a cow chews the cud. Memorize that verse and, and, and rehearse it over and over again. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it never fails. And we were, if we were to work the room right now, people would tell you that at the right time, God, the Spirit of God brought that verse back to my mind and it helped me in a time when I needed God and his word was present in a powerful way. We can meditate on it. We've talked about that. We can write it. That's another creative way of taking in the word of God. Write whether it's Psalm, Psalm, you know, Psalm 1 or Romans 8. Begin just simply writing out the word. Get a journal and write out the word of God. There's something very powerful pinned to paper and it's sticking in our minds and our hearts. So even writing the word of God is important. There's this, there's this study that um, many of you know that I, I write for our daily bread, and the CEO and president reminded us of a, uh, a very important study, and then Carolyn Kirsten uh, reminded me of it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that is the power of four. Power of four, power of reading the Bible four times a week. They studied individuals, I don't know how many, it was a, it was a, a, large, uh, a, large, uh, a large number. And people read the Bible one time, there was no real um, uh, difference. Two times a week, a little bit more, but not as much. Three times a week, not, not a big difference. But when they found people who read the Bible at least four times a week, this is what they found. Feeling lonely dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped by 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. Sharing, their, sharing the, their faith went up by 200%. And discipling others, which is what we're about as a church, went up 230%. That this is, again, this is not like, this, this is not anecdotal. This is that they actually worked through the research with a large uh, survey, a number of people. And so, there's power in God's word. There's power in God's word only when we begin to eat it. 
So my challenge to you, my challenge to me, my challenge to us as a church is that we would begin to eat God's word and we would begin to eat it in such a way that it metabolizes and the nutrients of the word finds its way into our soul, into our marriages, into our friendships, into our relationships, into the way we spend money, to the way we disciple other people, that the word of God would find a, a lodging and a place in our lives. Can you put the, can you put the, um, the um, minty meter question back up? And the results. It's not that we're talking about food. There's a big apple there. So uh, can you put the results up? I'm sorry, the results. All right, so, okay, we, we know, we know um, one of those, it's um, the, probably the largest one is busy. Don't make time for it. So this week, I want you to make time for reading the word. Before you tech, check TikTok, before you check Instagram, before you check Facebook, open up the word. Before you read the newspaper, Open up the word. Even if it's just a verse or two, let that be your food. Let that be your food so that God might speak to us as his people. So I want you to take out your your bulletin very quickly. And there, we talked about several opportunities. Uh, Your next step, I don't know what your next step is. Uh, Your next step could be uh, one of four of these things. And so um, you have the Discovery Bible Study. And the Discovery Bible Study is, uh, is, this is the sheet that's in this bulletin. It's one of the most significant ways, I think, to engage the Bible. Great way, it asks questions, and you and I get to see where the Word of God intersects with our lives. There are verses here already there, and you just would simply ask questions. You pray and you ask questions of the Scripture. Ask questions, God, where's this intersecting with my life right now? Very, very good. This might be your next step, and this might be your devotion tomorrow. I don't know. It might be your next step. The do one thing, daily devotional. You've been, you received the identity ones last month. You, uh, for those of you who've signed up for the devotionals, you're starting to receive the word of God. Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. And so there are videos that, that, that should not be the substitute for you reading the word of God, but it's a way to help you engage the word of God. So that's, a, that's another way. And then the Bible study methods course, you said, man, I'm, I want to go deeper. Uh, the Bible study methods course will help you know how to study the Bible in a way where you can understand it and, uh, and apply it to your lives. And then lastly, on October 21st, um, the, Bible, uh, the Bible as Food workshop, and my namesake um, is going to kind of lead us through how to engage the Bible personally, but also how to engage the Bible communally, as a community. So let's engage the Bible as food and watch it, watch God do some amazing things, some significant things in our lives. Now what I want to do, I want to close the service with this. I want to or three people
to simply, and I'll close after you, to just ask God to give Trinity Church a hunger for his word. To ask God to give Trinity. See, see I can't force you to do anything. You can't force me to do anything. If, if it's going to happen, it is going to be the spirit of God that creates hunger in us. So there are individuals who said, I'm not motivated to read. That was a large number. Only the Spirit of God can give you, give you a hunger, give me a hunger for his word. So there's no underscore, no music. I just simply want the Spirit of God to fall afresh on us around Bible engagement. So I'm going to ask us, one or two, two or three people, on behalf of Trinity Church to pray for a hunger and a thirst for his word. And then I'll close us. Uh, and then at that point, the elders and prayer team members, if you come forward, if you have a prayer need or concern, they'll be here to pray with you. So let's talk to God and asking him to give us a hunger and thirst. And I want you to, if, again, two or three people, you can pray out loud if you don't, if you feel led by God to do so.
So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of it. You say that it's powerful. And we ask that we would experience your power this week as we read. The same power that Jesus had to fight off the the tempter, the evil one. We pray that um, your word would so metabolize in our lives that um, we'll be able to face adversity the way you would, that we would be able to deal with bitterness and anger the way you would, that, that we would know how to forgive like you did and like you do. So make us a church that not only knows who we are because of what you say about us, but help us to engage your word in such a way where we get to know your will and know your mind that you've placed in scripture. Thank you for this group of people that love you. Thank you for this group of people that come here every week to worship communally. Thank you for this group of people that are engaging your word. And thank you for this group of people that are falling down but getting back up. Thank you for this group of people God, who, who, who are making a commitment now, even now, to say, I really want to, get God, give me the desire to desire you. God, so I ask your blessing upon your people, ask your blessing upon this church in a very powerful way, that your word would, in fact, be our food, um, giving us strength for the journey. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have a need or concern, we're going to ask the elders and the prayer team members, if you can come down front, they will be down here to pray with you. Um, Have a great week.